So, Birdo, every once in a while, I throw the microphone to you and say, hey, it's your episode, you lead it, what do you want to talk about? Uh, all right, uh, well, so today I want to talk about moving. Okay. The psychology of moving. Like moving to a different house. Moving places, yeah, moving from a house to an apartment, whatever, moving places in our lives. Psychology of moving. Yeah. Why did you come up with this? Well, I have moved a lot, especially when I was young, but actually, even in my adult life, for the, you know, in my 20s, I moved every year, you know, every year I would move. And I thought about that and I thought about, wow, like, and, and as a kid, I had dramatic moves, like country to country multiple times. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And yeah, you went from times. Uh, Bogota to New York to Bogota to Tacoma. Yeah, actually, Bogota to Massachusetts to Bogota to New York to Bogota to Tacoma. Oh. Yeah. Wow. It was, yeah, because basically I moved with my parents to Massachusetts when I was like almost two or two or something. Then they got a divorce. I moved back to Columbia for like a year and a half or something. Then I moved to New York to live with my dad for another year and a half or something. Then I moved back to Columbia to live in Columbia, first without my dad, then with my dad till I was 15. Then I moved to Tacoma to live with my mom. And then you moved to Seattle. It was a three short years. And then I moved to Seattle to go to college. And, and then, then every moved. year I was in college, I moved. And, and then, then after college, every year I moved until the first time I stopped moving was like in 98. Then I, then I was at one place for five years. Yeah. But then even then I moved some more. Well, let's times. talk about it. This yeah. is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I make vampire-proof bandanas. So, where do you want to begin, Burrow? All right. So, first off, how often have you moved? Um, I think, on average, in my 50 years, like, uh, as an adult, I would say every two to four years. As a kid, I basically lived in the same house until I was 18, from the from the age of two to or th- yeah maybe two to eighteen, I lived in the same house, and my parents lived in that house until uh, last this just this year. Um, so they lived in that house for almost fifty years, and that's the opposite of moving all the time, right? By the way, like when you talk to them, what was that experience like for them of moving after fifty years? It it was weird, but surprisingly not. As hard as I thought it would be yeah. to say goodbye. I know some people will really grieve yeah. the loss of their childhood home. But for me, I think it's because I had so many adult years there. And I was just getting so tired of that house with, all, with the flooding and all the other problems. I was just like, it just felt, I, I think that's a part of the psychology of moving that I could go into for me. Is I enjoy moving because I like cleaning. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like organizing. It's it's an excuse slash forcing function. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in fact, I just recently moved this this summer, and I thought what we should do, and I was actually telling Stacy this, that there's spring cleaning, Mm -hmm. you know, where you really kind of do a deep cleaning, but then there's an even deeper level of cleaning, which is moving cleaning. Move cleaning. cleaning. Move cleaning is a whole other level of cleaning. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? The fish fish come home to roost, as they say. (laughs) Yeah. Where... You could literally get rid of half the clothes in your closet. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Or half the stuff in your garage goes to Goodwill. Or a whole storage unit, which I'll talk about. <laughs> right. And, you know, because spring cleaning is great, but like move. And I was like, Stacy, yeah. every year we should do a move a clean. A move cleaning. You know, where we actually. And I was even thinking about like 
moving all the furniture out of the house and, you know, you know, making decisions. And I don't know. But (laughs) the point is, is I like that. And so I think I thought what a great opportunity because my parents were kind of pack rats in a way. And Mm. I just saw a lot of a lot of stagnation. Um, You know, that's just me. And I was sort of imposing that on my parents. But I think it kind of turned out to be true. And so that's one of the positives of moving, I think, is the ability to say, I'm shedding like a like a crab shed. Do crabs shed shed their their, their shells? Yeah, their shells. Let's say they do. Okay, some animal that sheds their. You know, it's like a it, snake. You, you got a brand new set of of yeah. of, of skin. You know, yeah. it's, everything's brand new now. Uh, I think I've I've always liked that Things aspect. Clean. Of it. Okay, on a uh, tougher bluff. On average, um, people in the U.S. move around five times in their lifetime. Tougher bluff. Um, I looked up stats about moving. I'm pretty sure that's bluff. It's much higher than that. Okay, yeah, it's bluff. It's according to this 2007 data, it's about 11.4 or 7 data yeah. uh, times. I remember being surprised by that because in my head, my stereotype of Americans is that they live in the same house yeah. a lot longer than that. Right. But when I looked up the data, it was like uh, particularly younger people are moving almost every year. And that's the thing is that I I am now fairly stable, but even in my fairly stable, I have moved, you know, I've not been in a place for more than 10 years, let's say. Yeah. And when I was in college. Well, what's the longest you've been in a place? Seven years. Yeah, I think, I think for seven me it's years. like six, seven years. years. And when I was, like I said, in college and in my 20s, I moved every year. Yeah. I so think that's pretty common. Kind of you yeah. know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting. I was also surprised by that number. But all right. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the big moves in my life, and um, they they were for different reasons. You know, it's like when I was little, I'm just moving with my parents, but for my parents, it was a big move. They they grew up in Colombia. They were born in Colombia. All our family is in Colombia, but there was this big opportunity going to the U.S. You know, it was like there was more op- uh, opportunity in terms of jobs. They were both in the medical field, and this was something. Side where, note: Do you say Colombia because? You're trying to be Americanized because don't Colombia, don't they say Colombia? Colombia. Yeah. It would be the way to say it. Yeah, I guess Colombia sounds, it's a little. Because sometimes when I say Colombia, people will be, it's not Colombia, it's, it's Colombia. Colombia. Yeah, I don't, I don't. You I, don't care? I don't care. And I've gotten used to saying, Col- now I can't say, saying Colombia. Because that's how, because <laughs> that's how Americans yeah. say it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway. So, you know, they moved because they were both going to, practice uh, their field here where there was more opportunity. So they moved to Massachusetts. Uh, my dad got some program, got into some program for psychiatry in, in Massachusetts. And I think my mom was studying to become a physical therapist or something like that. Big move. And then they took me with, I, I'm happy that that happened in one way because I learned English as a two-year-old. And that's why I can speak it fluently because, you know, but unfortunately, they struggled tremendously with each other, and they got a horrible, horrible divorce, which resulted in me having to move back by myself. Well, my dad traveled with me, but then I was—I remained in so Columbia your mom, by myself. Your mom left you when you were in Massachusetts. That's right. Yeah. Oh, for whatever reason, in my head—you were always in Bogota. No, no, it was in. This is what made it harder. Is it was we were all alone there. Yeah, and so it was just my dad and I. Were the police called? That was a different thing. It was it was at the same time frame. It's my dad saw finally found my mom and 
she found he found out she was kind of moving away with this other guy and then um he couldn't speak very good very good <laughs> he couldn't speak very good english and so they called the cops but then he couldn't explain himself so anyways and it was a mess <laughs> yeah so um was moving a factor in your parents divorce certainly the stress of that move must have been quite high yeah. number one number two there was no longer a family structure for the extended family yeah so yeah i but honestly knowing what i know now about the two of them i don't think that was ever going to work sadly would it have yeah. gone differently if y- y'all were in bogota at the time i think maybe it would have been worse because maybe i would have grown up in a super toxic environment the whole time like them <laughs> fighting all the time yeah interesting anyways i moved back to colombia so now well, well just side note while you're on that topic yeah. is people underestimate the stress of moving right. to to especially to another city another country right i find that um i mean some people recognize and, and understand how stressful it's going to be but i think a lot of people uh will say oh my god there's this job this right. perfect job and yeah great you know career is important and that's important but at what cost right it's and, it's very stressful <laughs> and as someone myself who has never moved outside of the seattle area for these kinds of reasons like yeah. i don't want to give up everything and everyone that i know just yeah. just for a job and i actually fought it when i was getting my doctorate there was a really good chance i was going to have to move for a year for my internship mm. and I finagled and fought and finagled and fought mm. and got an internship in Seattle, which is unheard of. You know, the listeners out there who are doctorate students in psychology, you know, psychologist doctorate people to get, it's like you're a physician and you're trying to get your, your residency, you know, your residency in the town that you live mm. or even in a town that you prefer. It's unheard of, you know, okay. or, or it's really hard anyway. Yeah. And so, wow. <laughs> so I, I feel like people, cause I've seen so many negative effects, um, yeah. from people just being like, well, I want this job. So let's go, you know, to kids included. Right. And one of the tough things is in this country we have, especially in the areas we live in, we have we live in a bubble. We think, well, why should I move? I have everything I need here, right? Right. And you know, in Colombia, back in that time and today, for sure, it, there's so much of a difference in opportunity, and that's why people are like, oh, those immigrants from the south of the border, and they, it's like we have no understanding of what it's like. And I'm not even talking about that because we weren't destitute on the streets, being persecuted right. by armed guerrillas, right? But, but, no but your parents weren't in that situation, right? What? Your parents weren't in that situation. No, no. They they weren't in that situation, but they were in the situation where the opportunities for them here were much greater. Really? And so that's why what they What does that mean? Like more money or? No, just even being able to get a job in the first place. Being able to go to the right school, for example. Uh, like, um, so, so if your dad had stayed in Bogota, psychiatry... He probably would have been okay. It's just... Um, it's harder and he didn't come from money and he didn't have the right connections and all that stuff. Okay. In, in Bogota, a lot more of it had to do with who you, who you know. Uh. And so anyway, so I moved back to Colombia for a while and then I moved to New York with my dad. So now it's another move, right? So I, I go back to Colombia, then I move back. And this is now at the age where I start remembering the moves because the first few moves 
you know, I know that it happened, but I don't. But now I do remember moving to New York with my dad and starting at a new school and learning a new environment, right? And then I sort of start getting used what, how, to it. What grade? I'm five years old, so I start in, I think I went there for first grade. Okay. And then I was in second grade when my dad asked me, we went for Christmas vacation down to Columbia, and I had a great time, and he asked me if I wanted to stay. And I said yes. So I'm, I'm, you know, happy in New York in many ways. I love the New York City. I love the museums. I love all these things. But I was being sexually molested, number one. Right. And of course, I wasn't consciously aware of it, but... So was she an American girl? No, she was Colombian living there. Oh, okay. Or she, I don't know if she was born... I, anyway, she, her parents were Colombian. Okay. But I'm sitting there in a school where there's a bully, two grades higher than me, who's like pushing me down the stairs... Uh, it, it's a dangerous environment, right? And I'm all by myself. And then I come to Colombia for, for a vacation and it's these loving grandparents and cousins and a safe house. And ironically, right? Like Colombia all of a sudden feels super safe to me. So I decided to stay. But keep in mind, I'm like six and a half, right? So it's a six and a half year old making that decision. So now I'm living in Colombia without my dad. Big move. And, and your I, mom. And no mom, right? So then I'm there for many years till I'm 15, and the year leading up to 15, at 14, my mom now asks me, hey, do you want to move with me? So I'm always being asked by my parents, do you want to move? And at 14, I'm thinking, hell yeah. Because it's now the situation's reversed. I'm looking at Colombia. Colombia's a mess. They're detonating all these bombs. They're, they're kidnapping people. They're shooting people on and the streets. And America is where Airwolf comes from. And America's where Airwolf comes from. And America... My my mom is there, my brother's there, and it's safe. It looks so safe. So So is is your point here kind of the narratives or the motivations for moving can really involve very important fundamental needs kinds of issues? Yes. Because as you can see, same you know, I went from one place to the other for the same almost the same reason, safety and all these things. So I moved to uh the States. Big move, left everything behind. Now, here's something else. My mom said, leave everything behind. And at 15, this sounded somehow, unbelievably sounded reasonable to me. <laughs> In retrospect, it was completely traumatizing. And now I, I knew later, years later in therapy, I realized one of the reasons I was always compulsively buying things like clothes and, and some other stuff, one of the reasons is because I lost everything. Yeah, why, did, why does she say leave everything? She wanted... She didn't want you cluttering up her house? Yeah, or something simple. No big number of suitcases. But what, what, what did you have? I had my toys, my books, my memories, my, like, my blankie. My, I had so many things. Yeah. <laughs> I left... Imagine leaving everything you own behind at 15, yeah. except for a, one suitcase with some clothes. Yeah. I... I, well, anyways, I didn't realize it at the time, but it definitely traumatized me. Okay, and then I moved to the States, and I'm here. Well, then I had three years of peace and quiet. And then I have to move out. And my mom told me, hey, once you graduate from high school, you're out. Yeah. Right? So I had to move out to college. And then in college, it was like moving every year. So like for me, it's always it was always, when I was young, it was always like these survival things, right? I have to move because I need to survive. Yeah. Then in college, it became more like novelty. So now it's new reasons, right? Because I didn't have to move. I think the first year I was in one of the dorms, I could have stayed there. But then I wanted novelty. 
Yeah. Well, so plus we, the dorms suck. The dorms suck. So then I moved into an apartment. Ooh, I've never lived in an apartment yeah. with a roommate. Oh, cool. Who's your roommate? Dave. Dave. Oh, yeah. And then the next year, we didn't want to re-rent the same apartment. We could rent another apartment. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny because when we moved in college, it was much more of a necessity issue, I believe, or trying to move up. A little bit. Well, there was that too. So we found a place with three bedrooms and we roomed with this other friend, Carlos. And now we had a three bedroom place yeah. and it was a little nice, definitely nicer apartment. Yeah. And then guess what? The fourth year we moved into a house. We rented a whole house yeah, and it was with Shun and Eric and our band. Where, 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 where was the house? Uh, do you know where Scarecrow Video is? Yeah. Uh, if you keep going north on that ro- Roosevelt. Ro- Roosevelt um, maybe four blocks, and then if you went into the neighborhood, uh-huh. our house was right there. Oh, okay, it was a great house. We had a huge room downstairs, a basement for a lot jamming. Of, a lot of college people there. Oh yes, yeah, so awesome. Yeah. So, anyways, and then then I started working in the workplace, and then every year for some reason I would get the itch, gotta move, gotta move. Oh really? Yeah. And it was always a novelty thing, but but I I am wondering if it was just the novelty thing or also a feeling of like. Being scared of settling or something. I, I don't know. Like being. Well, I find, tell me know. if it's this, that people who move a lot as kids have a itch to move as adults. Yeah, I, well, I think there was that for sure. And maybe it was this thing of like, if I get too stable somewhere, something's wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, anyways, that, that was like thing. But so the biggest moves in my life were one, that very first move, which I wasn't aware of because I was too little, but it was where, you know, essentially my story began. Two, moving back to live with my grandparents when I was six and a half. And then three, moving at 15 to live with my mom. Those were the biggest moves. Yeah. Um, well, well discussed on this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Now, does moving cause anxiety? What do you know about this, Dr. Honda? Does oh. moving cause anxiety? Well, yeah. Um, there's a lot of unknowns and people can be traumatized by moving. Also, there's a lot of grief involved we've known this for a long time it sounds weird but moving even if you are looking forward to moving there's a huge loss a loss of familiarity a loss of uh, the neighborhood of the corner store or whatever or just even some sort of visual things like that fireplace you would look yeah. at uh, when we lose those things are we ha- we often have a a physio emotional reaction Sometimes it can be liberating, but um, it's often underestimated the shift that our body has to go through when we move. You know, we often consider moves to be kind of these practical things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, this isn't a better neighborhood. or But we evolved to get familiar with our surroundings and to associate safety. You know, like pretty much every time I move, I notice the first night I sleep in my new house or apartment, I'm afraid. I am i don't feel safe. Interesting. You don't feel safe. Because it doesn't feel like my home yet. It feels yeah. like I'm sleeping. I, f- I feel like I'm like I'm squatting, you know, in, <laughs> yeah. in, in s- somewhere. I could see that. And, and uh, you know, night two, you know, particularly a weekend, then it, I, f- I fall asleep. I feel safe, even though I'm no more actually right. safe than I was the first night, you know. Right. It just feels like the first night anyone could walk in and say, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know? Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. That feels... But but getting back to anxiety, um, 
depending on your personality, depending on what's happening, uh, you can have varying degrees of anxiety. Some people have a tremendous amount of anxiety. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot you have to do. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. And if you're prone to that kind of anxiety, it can be significant. You know, I've seen people go through massive amounts of anxiety, you know, yeah. uh, to the point of dissociation and PTSD reactivity. Um, so moving is a big deal is, is my point. And, yeah. and, and, but for some, you know, it's, it's just, it's for easier than others. But what I do find is for everyone, it's a huge emotional shift. You know, what was, what was so interesting is when I moved at 15, I don't remember ever feeling like it was this huge, scary deal that was anxiety-ridden and traumatizing. And I think it was because it was disguised with something very, very important that kind of trumped everything else, which was I was finally getting reunited with my mom. Mm. And yes, I had visited, but this was like, I'm going to live with her. Finally. And even though I don't think I was consciously putting those, connecting those dots, I think I knew. I was like, oh. And so that's why I traded everything. I'm like, yeah, I'll leave everything behind. Right. Because that's the single most important thing. I've been crying since I was three about this. Right. And then I didn't go back to Columbia for six years, which to me now seems monstrous. Like imagine you move at 15 and you don't see anyone for yeah. six years. The people that raised you. Everyone. Yeah. Now, it, my mom wouldn't let me go. Why? Because she was scared that of, of what was happening in Colombia and that I would stay there. Oh, really? Yeah. Was that a risk? I mean, Colombia was a scary place. I, was, I should have absolutely gone. My mom had made a promise to my dad that I would go every year just like I used to go there. She broke that promise. My dad had no power in the situation. Is that really I, the only reasons? Were there other? Were there selfish reasons why she didn't do it? Do you think? Yeah, like she, she didn't want to pay for it or something. I don't think it was a money thing too much. I mean, money might have been, but fine. Don't do it every year. How about after three years? Yeah. All right. So, but then it was weird because then I, I I left high school and I went to college, and I actually would have had the money to go sooner than those additional three years. But then I was like psychologically blocked from going. I was afraid to go. That was interesting, right? And so finally at six years, I got the courage and the money to go. <laughs> and it was bizarre. It was like coming home and being 21 after I left at 15. It was like, yeah. Um, okay. So the other yeah, thing Yeah, that is- must have been really weird, you know? Like, because I've never been through anything like that before because uh, I've, you know, I grew up mainly in Sammamish, which is like 15 miles from Seattle. Yeah. And then I lived in Seattle the rest of my adult life. And so- I went home like every <laughs> every every two weeks yeah. kind of a thing. So there was never a moment where I was like six years had passed. No, impossible and, and, and to imagine. I, I not only you know the house you grew up in, but all the people and the country and the language and, and everything. It's, it's crazy. So yeah, so like so I was actually going to say, well, first of all, you already touched on this a little bit, but are there situations where moves can be healthy? Yeah, hundred percent. You know the um, shedding of that old skin that yeah. is tying you down uh, to feel like you have power. You know to say, actually, I have the. I, you know to move sometimes is an act of power. Yeah, I have the privilege to 
to do this, especially if it's a step up, you know? Yeah. And that feeling of self-esteem, moving to a neighborhood that's more conducive to you and your family and, yeah. and to, to your to your sense of safety. And, you know, <laughs> I, I just think it's a, it's a huge... And I think people appreciate this, but, you know, uh, to, you know, as we're going into this topic, I'm just thinking more and more about how much for a lot of us, our home is a part of us and a part of our mental health and a part of our, you know, like for me, I always want a house that has trees because I grew up, you know, like the the house, like (laughs) the house I live in right now, there's a lot of trees. Tons of trees, yeah. This is exactly how I grew up. I grew up. I, I grew up in a house where you couldn't see any other houses. So you, you feel at home. Yeah. yeah. Even though the house I was in was on a, just a, a third of an acre, which isn't yeah. which isn't really that much land. Um, you know, in but suburbia. But the tree density was. But the tree density, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was a green belt in the back that yeah. was that wasn't owned by us, but it was owned by other people. Yeah. But no one really did anything with. And so, I, for me, health is to be amongst trees and that moist Pacific Northwest earth right. with fallen leaves and the sprinkling rain. And that all says home to you. Yeah, it, it feels like in the mornings I'll be having my breakfast and I just look out the window at the trees. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just, that's what I want to do. And it, it nice. just feels, um, I don't know what word to put to it. It feels, it feels nostalgic in a good way. It feels uh, fresh. Hmm. It feels cozy, right? Uh, you know, because we're really getting into fall right now. Right. You know, it's, right. It's, it's it's getting colder. It's rainy. <laughs> it's cloudy. It, it. But I I feel I feel at home in nice. that kind of place. Yeah, and and to me, like I said, I think that, so I don't know what my life would have turned out to be if I had stayed in New York when I was, you know, there, because I was already in such a disturbing environment, really. Yeah. Uh, My dad barely had time for me. No, I mean, he was doing the best he could. It's just he was, he was doing his residency as a child psychiatrist in a hospital and like dealing with a five-year-old. And they work residents to the bone. Yeah, absolutely. And I had... I was like I said Usually. I was being I was being sexually abused I was being bullied at school I the the whole na- I lived I lived in uh, Queens in Jackson Heights Queens it's not exactly a safe area you know um, so anyways I don't know what would have happened but then on top of that there was no family structure no you know yeah. no so that move was very healthy and I was very glad that that happened because yeah. even though I had to do without both my mom and my dad for a while I had a ton of other love yeah your grandparents yeah all right and then we talked a little bit about this moving from your childhood home uh when when did you move for college i'm assuming 18 yeah yeah at 18 yeah and i moved when i was 15 from my original childhood home yeah um and that was tough in the sense that when i think about it now um that move was so permanent and that house never was the same again because it just became more dilapidated and more dilapidated and finally they sold it and it got Destroyed. I, I we drove by when you were in Bogota, and basically yeah. it was a facade. Oh, really? Yeah, like when we drove by, it was just this white facade. I mean, there is stuff in it. It's just no longer our house. It's, oh, they tore down. They the, tore down. And yeah, left up the front. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And they painted it. It doesn't even look the same. And there is something about that that is 
wounding, like I can never go back. That that feeling, that concept of I can never go back. Yeah. Now there's something also that forces you to grow up and untether, but man. Well, so it was, does it feel what does it feel? What emotion do you feel that you can't go back? Well, it's it, it sort of like ties together the realization as a human that A, you literally can't go back in time. B, that also means that people have passed, you're literally not seeing them again. It just even if you go down to Bogota, they're not there. And then C, you are saying these things, these feelings of comfort and nostalgia. I I can't walk into my room and look and be like, it's my room. Yeah. I think you know? for me, and maybe not enough time has passed, I had so much of that as an adult. Right. Uh, you know, from the age of 18 until 49, yeah. when I went home yeah. to my parents' house, I could have all that. Yeah, you got like a more natural decline. Right. For me, it was like... You know, I was ripped off at 15. Then I went a couple times, very infrequently, six years later and then five years later. And then that was it. And, and so, yeah, it feels incomplete. Let's yeah. say. But yeah. who knows? Maybe in 10, 15 years, I'll feel similarly feel some, yeah. about the house. Okay. And then um, the other thing is moving to different... So, so, well, so just oh, yeah. to piggyback on that, I think I can relate to my grandparents' house in Spokane. Mm, so that's where my parents okay. came. Because... You know, both sets of grandparents have died, and their homes I haven't been to in a long time. But I have so many memories mm. of my grand, both my white grandparents and my Japanese grandparents' homes, and I would love to just <laughs> walk through right. those homes and and sit in those chairs and use right. those faucets, you know, because they were very particular kinds of houses, and and they, you know, my mom and my dad for most of their lives grew if not all grew up in the you know it was like their the one house and yeah. then, and the my grandparents lived in those houses for similar probably like 50 years kind of a thing yeah. so it wasn't it wasn't just like a random house they lived in so i i kind of feel that way about that but you know it's not as intense cuz it wasn't yeah. my house yeah but totally well for example liti's house where you you were at yeah. right some at some point that house will will go yeah and man, that's another one of those places where it's so iconic in my life. And and it's such a unique house. Do you remember how it's like? Yeah. Even in Bogota, where the the structure of it isn't that out of the the norm, it is still, there are some things about it that are pretty specific. And I'm like, I have that house so ingrained in my memory. Um, but at least with that one, I can take a 3D tour and visit it. I can't do that with the other one. Yeah. Like, okay. Anyways, so the other thing I was going to talk about is uh, I mentioned moving different country. There's the concept of moving from a different country, also a different culture and a different language. And these are all things that people sometimes have to do. Mm. Um, in my case, I sort of had the easier path because since when I first moved, I was two. I got to sort of like pick up the language for free. My parents had a really rough time. My dad in particular had a really rough time. He with English with English, yeah, and um, he struggled. He he also had a bit of reading dyslexia, so uh, he had a really hard time with it. And that must it's it's something I didn't get to experience directly. But I I'm wondering if like for example, have you dealt with um, maybe patients that had moved and had problems with the language or the culture? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
this is a kind of not answer your question directly, but there's a character cast member on 90 Day Fiance, Stephanie, mm-hmm. who uh, moved from Europe somewhere as a young person with her single mom to the States. And she, if I remember right, talks about how she couldn't, she didn't speak English at all. Mm. And they just threw her into a class, like a regular English speaking classroom at the age of like seven. And she says that for, uh, and there was no like effective effort to help her learn English. And so she said something like a year, maybe two years. She just sat in class, not knowing anything that was happening. Oh my God. (laughs) And no one really tried to help her. And she felt completely ostracized. She couldn't communicate with her classmates. And I believe given her personality as an adult, that had a pretty damaging effect, traumatizing effect, you know, of you're not good enough. You can't trust other people. I wonder if my dad was traumatized in a way by that as well. Oh. Among many of the other things that might have traumatized him. Because I, I, I picture this. He's in New York City at a very competitive uh, Columbia University, right? Yeah. And then goes to this, I think in Maimonides Hospital or something. And he barely, like he struggles with the language. So, so when he speaks, I'm sure... Many people would probably roll their eyes, like, "Oh, yeah. he particularly back then, right? Right? This is the seventies. Yeah, how hard that must have been. How many times he must have had to prove that he knew what he was talking about, yeah. even though he could barely explain it. Yeah, I wonder what effect that had. Yeah, on self confidence and all that. You and know? anger. And anger. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Um, and I also wonder, so that's language. I also wonder culturally, I know that. Well, in that, this, well that's why I wonder. And of course, I don't know all the yeah. data. You have. If your parents had never left Bogota. If yeah, what they, would have happened? Yeah, if they could have seen their, because yeah. I know your parents, they're both lovely people and they've got their issues, yeah. but it's not impossible, it might be to you, to for me to believe that they could have worked things out. They yeah. were young, you know, and. And you just wonder if they hadn't moved and had support and sort of outlets and for uh, or just other things to do besides stew in their own insecurities. Well, and even yeah, actually, because what 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 if they what if they had gotten separated? But it wasn't this disaster in our lives. Yeah, and we still have family support systems on both sides. Yeah, and my dad goes on his way, and she goes on his way. But I'm still close to both of them. Yeah, and someone's there to talk to your dad of like, dude, I get you're angry, yeah. but you gotta calm down. Right. Like no one was there in New York, right. right? Yeah, and you didn't have the internet, so you couldn't no. you couldn't no, no. talk to anyone. No, exactly. So, anyways, it's a good question. Yeah, um, you know, for example, my uncle Gustavo, um, he you know they he divorced from his uh, wife, and. But they stayed friends. Because they know? were in Bogota. They were in Manizales, but still. They, okay. you know, and they're close enough. Um, it's possible. You know, who knows? Yeah. Anyways, uh, so the other thing was... Um, well, let's take a break. and we get uh, back, let's continue. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. We're back from the break. If a real estate agent were trying to convince the listener right now to become a patron of the podcast, what would that sound like? I just drove by the nicest little place on a corner. It's got everything you've asked me for. Okay, no, it, 
It doesn't have a nearby park, fair enough. It is only a rambler. It's not two-story like you want it. It doesn't have a garage. Um, no, there's definitely no, uh, no pet-friendly environment. But listen, it has the internet, which means you're going to be able to sign, up, sign in to psychologyinseattle.com and become a patron. And honestly, in this market, that's the only thing you can afford. <laughs> so let's close today. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, never mind. You just got outbid. Full cash offer, 100% over. <laughs> yeah, just so people know. I mean, I, I think other cities obviously have this problem too. But Seattle, for years now, has been uh, a very tough market for, for buyers. Uh, a house in Seattle that will go for and the Seattle area will go for uh you know uh like 400,000 in other places of the country will go in Seattle for like 1.4 million yeah. it, it, it'll it'll list for 1.3 and uh 99% of the time there's a bidding war that will add on Two, three, four hundred more thousand. Imagine going. Imagine <laughs> looking at a house because usually you're looking at the upper end of your limit anyway. Yeah, you're like, well, uh, I can afford one point one, right? Um, and no more than that. And you find a house for one point, you know, un- just under one point one. Well, it's pretty much guaranteed that that house is going to go for one point four. <laughs> right. So you have to be looking at houses that are listing for 700 do you know yeah. what i mean now other people around the you know country particularly around the world are like you have homes that are selling for 1.2 these are <laughs> these are regular houses well back i don't i don't think it's that long ago when i was like what you know of someone that bought a house in malibu for 1.2 million dollars yeah you know yeah so uh seattle's tough because so many people are moving here that have a lot of money Working at Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook, uh, what a Costco, <laughs> Starbucks, yeah. and all the ancillary companies that right. are supporting all the tech industry, and and there's only a certain amount of places to live. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it just drives the prices skyrocketing. All right. So the, a couple other aspects, and then we can wrap it up. So first of all. What was this like in the past, Kirk? So let me ask you a couple of questions. When did humans start moving? When did well? Well, we were nomads, right? Back in the day, right? So, so moving was part of the plan, yeah. Which is interesting to think about, right? So the early humans didn't actually not move; they moved. Yeah, that's what they did, right? And so, because we, I think many of us grew up with this notion of in the old days. You had a house forever. Yeah. It's in the generations. And that's true for most of our written history and everything, um, except for displacement, war, everything else. So it's actually not true because for most, for most people in the world, actually, it's been not that pretty idyllic story. Right. Uh, but when in nomad times, that was just the way it was. You moved yeah. around. Yeah. So your home had a very different meaning, right? The home yeah. wasn't this rock. The home was this land, yeah. This region. Well, and these people. These people. With the shelters culture, that yeah. we bring with us. Right? Yeah. So I kept thinking about that because we still must possess some of that, some bits of that, right? Yeah. And that is probably. Maybe that's part of the enjoyment of moving. That's probably part of it, right? Because like when I moved in college, for example, it was with my tribe. It was with like my roommate. I carried one roommate around for three moves, you know? And um, same thing 
after college, I had the same roommate in three moves. And so like I carried my little mini tiny tribe with me. And there is that aspect of it, like, okay, well, my home isn't just my home. It's this, these other intangibles or these other people and stuff. Also, you were saying like you haven't moved out of Seattle. So it's not just moving from a house. It's moving from an area. So you have that kind of nomadic spirit in you, but within a region. Yeah. It's, it's interesting for me, you know, having lived in Seattle proper now for 32 years, every neighborhood uh, is close to somewhere I lived, especially in North Seattle, but even in South Seattle. And, I have so many memories. Some one thing that I fantasize about doing, which I don't think is possible, is that I would just sort of drive around maybe like four blocks at a time, stop and just say, "Okay, I remember this happened over there. I remember this happened over there." <laughs> like everywhere I drive in Seattle, I have just flashes of, of things like like just one detail which i'm sure a lot of people can relate to is you know dick's hamburgers mm. uh, the one on holman yeah. up here and i i have so many memories going back to college right. at dick's and uh late night situations and, you know <laughs> and driving by there is just like this flood of like oh you yeah. know like five moments from the past 30 years you know pop into my head and and i and i i would really miss that if i didn't live yeah yeah so i think there's that okay and then when did humans stop moving uh agriculture and civilization agriculture right isn't that fascinating that basically because of the technological advancement that you know made it technically easier it's arguable but technically easier. at the very least you certainly you certainly you had... Um, it was more dependable. Yeah. You didn't have you to... Had a famine or something, but yeah. Right, right. But, and, and arguably, I know this isn't your point, is that you could grow beer. Well, actually, you could, great, you could make beer. That's a great point. Because, you know, yeah. some, some, and we'll never know, but they make an argument, it's possible that we only established agriculture <laughs> because the nomads discovered ferment, fermentation and the only way to make alcohol was, <laughs> was to, you know, cultivate crops. Dude, that's, I've not heard that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so you're sitting But you there. can see that, right? I you could see it. You could see that. Wait, so to get alcohol. <laughs> well, I was just talking to someone about how um, advancements in computers happened initially um, because of video games. Right. Yeah. And all the way till now, most of the highest end stuff had happened because of video games. Oh, yeah. Lately, a lot of it is also crypto mining and stuff. But, but most of it was, was video games. And it's similar. It's just for entertainment. Right. right. So I could totally see that. Right. Well, so similarly, and, and, you know, so in addition to the beer, the, uh, the cotton, like things like cotton or, or things that eventually were, um, I guess cotton might have been New World, but uh, textiles were something that, that also became very valuable too, you know, as well as spices as we know now. And like, okay, so agriculture starts and now all of a sudden people have to stay in one place. And then this new thing starts developing where you're like, well, if I'm going to be here for a while, I guess I'll put this here in this corner. And, oh, I found this on one of my trips. Uh, I'll keep, I'll hang on to this, right? Because when you're a nomad, you better not be hanging on to too much. Right. That's that's expensive to move around a whole bunch of stuff all the time. Yeah. Now you can just put it in the corner. Right. And then this weird psychology starts developing f- for us, which is I'm attached now not just to the region and the people, but I'm attached to these material 
possessions and this square of land square of land fascinating so then time goes on and then you know feudal age what do you know about the feudal age uh well you had you know feudal leaders of the serfs everyone had a class role to play and the, do you know, like, the, way, I don't know much, so the, I'm, I'm not quizzing you like guys. I know, I just know very, very little. The, but du- the dukes and duchesses, the dukes and the barons, they owned everything. They owned everything, yeah. which is fascinating because you are not a landowner. You're a peon. Yeah. You're working the land and you hope maybe through some stroke of luck, someday someone in your family line might own land. Yeah. Because it's also... You'll be granted by... Yeah. Uh, Someone higher up in the hierarchy, and and if you're not born into the right blood, you might not get lucky. Yeah, no, it's it. I don't know if very many serfs aspired to yeah, land. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, but then, so it's a different reality, right? But so then you, America comes along, and it's like oh, right, and it's like land, but, land for everyone. But so home back then, it's just stealing from the Native a, Americans, right? Yeah. But if you're a serf, your home isn't this concept of land ownership. It, but it is where you are right i i do live in this little hut i just, i have my family i do have my small little possessions yeah i just don't own any of this land yeah and the concept of ownership for these big land barons was bizarre it was like i own this whole people in land right it's bizarre right and so we can see these toxic structures forming around and, and so moving all of a sudden becomes i mean to, to, to liberating yeah well to add a little bit of uh, apology for the barons. They had a responsibility to the serfs too. Like it wasn't uh, corporations are people too, my friend. <laughs> well, it, it was. You, you could have uh, uprisings and or lack of cooperation. Um, it wasn't like there wasn't a power structure, but yeah. uh, there were leaders who felt beholden to keeping the people happy through various just like slave owners felt beholden <laughs> yeah. to. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's, it, 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 yeah. I mean, no, I mean, look. I, I'm not in their time. They were doing what they were doing. Yeah. Now, but but it's interesting. If you're a serf. And we're talking about Europe. But if you're a serf and you get an opportunity to move away and have a chance at something different, all of a sudden that move sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. It's scary because at least you know what you know here. But man, so imagine when, yeah, when like the new world comes around. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm like, a, I've been in prison here or i'm destitute i could just load on that boat and be free yeah that's why america is so obsessed with freedom freedom uh when we were upset with france we called right. them freedom fries <laughs> yeah, because we're because so many people who came here in the beginning from europe were seeking religious freedom uh, uh, freedom from the king, freedom from taxes, yeah. and it uh, you know pervades our, our culture today. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, so I think we have all these associations historically, culturally, maybe imprinted in us and stuff about moving and being nomads, and then not being nomads, and being possessive about things, and then feeling like it's going to be liberating to move away. Well, answer me this: Do you think you, Birdo, if you could have it your way? And it was convenient. Would you move every year, and then be happiest? Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. I now have gone to come to appreciate. I'm not saying not moving ever, but I have come to appreciate stability because I didn't have stability when I was young. Mm. 
I lacked so much stability. So now I crave stability, mm. you know. Um, I wanted to end on Do you a, feel stable? I feel way more stable now, yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like I've got a, a patch of land, a little peach tree I can sit under. I don't really have a peach tree, but... Like, um, all right. I wanted to end on a note that is a little scary. Okay. Um, as we are embarking into this world where um, there is going to be water shortages and climate change, yeah, there are going to be don't mass, be pessimistic, Berto. Mass migrations. Don't be pessimistic. I'm being very pessimistic. There's going to be mass migrations. People are going to be forced to move. They're yeah. already being forced to move. Yeah. Uh, to be clear, the prevailing science is that around the equator, essentially, it's going to be potentially in inhabitable inhabitable uninhabitable uninhabitable and not only for water shortages but just for sheer heat yeah. that you know you're like well you know people in that region they're used to the heat um yeah but not what is coming you know yeah. they will they will certainly die in droves yeah. and will start emigrating yeah. <laughs> will start moving you know right and 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 the reason i bring it up is because if we think we've had a problem with like oh the border's getting it's an emergency at the border and like, yeah it's gonna it's gonna be so much worse and actually it's gonna happen inside out as well and inside in because so i'm part of what i'm bringing up this is i'm wondering if we're gonna end up being somewhat nomadic again <laughs> mm. you know like i maybe not full mad max but where really there are patterns to the climate where you literally cannot stay in one place the whole year. Mm. It, it, wouldn't that be weird slash terrifying, but weird? Uh, imagine if, if it's that, no, no, actually, you have to go, like the birds, like you have right. to go south for the winter or vice versa. Like penguins. Like penguins. Because I was, you know, I've been doing some research in the last few years of where can I live to be safe from climate change? And every area has got a downside. Every place, right? So I, I'm thinking, I wonder if humans are going to go through a phase where we have well, to kind of... How's Seattle going to fare? Well, you know, like it's, Seattle is funny because on the one hand, we are definitely in a part of the world where it's not going to get as hot as soon, right? We don't have as extreme weather as many other places. At the same time, the fires are going to eventually encroach more and more. Uh -huh. And so I don't know. I don't know. But, that, but that's not going to like burn seattle to the ground right? i hope not i hope not and and we're and most of our homes are high enough that it, it'll it'll um evade any kind of but today's homes are all permanent fixtures we have these big structures that are fixed how do you move this house you can't move this house yeah what if we had to eventually develop technologies that are like more dune like or something where it's like they are mobile yeah. and we can migrate easily and well we have it today right you know mobile homes yeah and what if we had to have things that could be aquatic and on land, you know, like yeah. it's, it's both a scary, but also sort of a fascinating thought of imagine, I don't know, in a hundred years that the nature of being human is that, yeah, we move around. We, we adapt and move around. Uh, lots of people did. It was, it was tough times. My grandparents tell me, but well, did you see Nomad, the movie? I don't know. I didn't. Is that what it's about? Or is that, it, yeah. is that about this? Yeah, it's about these uh, temporary workers. Oh, who, that was the Oscar-nominated movie. Yeah. yeah, I did not see that. Who move from place to place in the United States uh, to survive. Yeah. You know, because 
because it's holiday season at this Amazon <laughs> fulfillment right. center. Right. So and they're so, already nomads. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a, like a class of people that kind of know each other and yeah. help each other. And there's a whole kind of system to survival and, and it's, it's an interesting look into it. I will say the movie was very interesting. The first like 45 minutes, the second 45 minutes, I was just kind of like, is that all that this is? That, oh, really? It just it's, feels like a documentary at a mm. certain point. A, a, not a, an uninteresting documentary at a certain point. Well, I'll say that it, it's going to be hard to remain fully committed to the idea of specific land borders and specific homes that you own when fires take your house every year. Yeah. And when, you know, when an area of what you used to call your pristine borders is no longer inhabit, inhabitable. You know, or is is no longer right. Habitable. Well, and what is I from what I understand likely to happen? Whole swaths of Canada will become temperate and livable, <laughs> and Siberia apparently. <laughs> right, because Canada, a huge portion of the landmass, because it's a huge country, yeah. is so cold or yeah. you know inaccessible that um, you know no one lives up there. So we need to start buying land. Right, so if 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 global warming happens, is it is already happening? The what will feel like Kansas today will be up in you know like Cal, north of Calgary kind with of seven thing. billion people crowding in, <laughs> right? With all with a bunch of people like yeah. going, let's go up there where yeah. oh it, god, you know, it's more like the <laughs> like Amazon will probably move its offices. Although I wonder because Seattle. You know, according to the climate models, it'll it'll get like California or something. Yeah. You know, Seattle I mean? again. I think Seattle is in a better spot than a lot of places, but who knows? Anyways, I didn't want to actually finish in a down note. I wanted to say <laughs> I've moved a lot in my life. It's been both good, bad, ugly. Some of it has been for for the better, and some of it has been very difficult. Uh, but I want to send a message out there to anyone that has, that is having to deal with a move, is about to deal with a move, or has dealt with a move, that the place that you live in is only part of who we are. There's so many more dimensions. It's also the people that we associate with, what's our inner monologue, our inner experience, the things we do. Th- these are all things. So um, as we are dealing with moves, if we can hold on to some of those things, it can help us through it. Because I think that that helped me in every one of those moves. And mostly it had to do with the people that loved me and people that gave me affection. The only thing I'll add is if you are a family and you're moving your kids and your kids are older than three, maybe even younger, and you're in the beginning phases of making whether or not you will move or not decision, consider the negative impact on you and the kids. Um, And... Uh, raising kids is hard. You want to have as many people in your, you know, camp as possible. Extended yeah. family members are extremely convenient babysitters. Yeah. And and trustworthy and loving. You know, that, that you got babysitters and you got like your your mother who loves your grand your own kids, you know. So my my kids get love seeing their grandma, for example. Yeah. Can you not bring? I know. Up? I'm sorry. I always do this. Ugh, it's it's con- Berto's constantly talking about my kids, I know. about his kids, and his I know. and my his wife. wife. It's I like, know. I'm sorry. It's just because we're in a podcast, and so like, what else are you going to talk? Oh. But you know, you know what? When it's relevant, when it's it, relevant, and it was relevant, it was relevant, it was relevant just yeah. then. The the last ten episodes, they love their grandma. 
Not so much relevant. Not so much. Okay. But this one, totally relevant. All right. I'll allow it. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I've seen so many people who move for work or convenience or maybe even kind of to get away from one parent and they become so isolated that um, there's all the stress. You know, what Birdo's parents went through, you just got to wonder. And and also the trauma that children go through, that you rip them away from all their friends, particularly if they're, you know, six six years old and, and older. Yeah. Their teachers, their neighborhood, their playgrounds, you know, their extended family potentially. And, you know, just consider that because I think in American culture we – so much value materialism and career and mobility and at 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 and we don't recognize the costs yeah. uh, of doing it um i just wish that more people would would consider that uh just a couple ending uh stats Berto. percentage of americans who move every year so i think it's like you know 40% 40 wow 10% okay <laughs> Uh, moving rates are on the incline or decline, uh, you know, the last 10 years as opposed to like 40 years ago. They are on the incline. Decline. Oh, interesting. It, yeah, I thought I, I was surprised. Yeah. Because in my head, people in the 70s and 60s didn't, didn't move, move that much. And now they're like, let's move. Right. But back then they moved more often. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Um, only uh, average cost... Of an interstate move in the United States today. Oh, geez. Oh, my gosh. 25,000. 4,000. Okay. Uh, uh, percentage of millennials between the ages of 25 and 35 are married and living with their spouse. Uh, married and living with their spouse, millennials, is... Ooh, okay. I'm going to say 25%. 42. 42. Wow. Uh, but, of course... Millennials is what? 25 to 35. Okay, 25 to 35. I think that's what it means. Uh, 1963, okay. percentage of uh, people who are 25 to 60, uh, 25, 35, married, living with their spouse. 80%. So, 82, nice. So it's, <laughs> it's... It's gone down. Yeah, half. By half. <laughs> right. Uh, meaning that a lot of young people today wait to get married, and they also uh, don't necessarily live with their spouse. Right. Um. Percentage of millennials that own their own home. Millennials, 25 to 35, that own their own home. Uh, 40%. Oh, 37. Okay. Percentage of baby boomers who own their own home when they were about the same age. Oh, when they were the same age? 1981. Oh, okay. Um, 70%. 56. Okay. So that was surprising because I would have thought 70 or higher. Yeah. Because in my head, I'm like, it's you know, like by the time you're- bucks for a house. Yeah, because baby boomers, <laughs> that's my parents' age. You would have, you know, by 25, you're definitely married. You probably already have two kids. Yeah. And I would assume, and the, you know, the vision we have is the white picket fence and all yeah. that stuff. And in my I head, guess there's a lot of people in this country that are not as well off. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or they're just kind of getting going in, in their yeah. life. Um, so 56%. Because I think that um, there's a lot of discourse on Reddit about how, you know, hard it is today to own a home and how jealous they are of the previous generations yeah. where uh, it seems like their perception is that you were basically just handed a job and a house yeah. and, and a car and a life and everything was fine. And I think that obviously it, it was easier, but it wasn't easy. You know what I mean? Right. Percentage of millennials say they would be willing to take a pay cut 
to move to their dream location, meaning mm. that they don't live in their dream location. Yeah. And they would be willing to take a 60%. pay cut. 60%. 80%. 80, whoa. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Yeah. Like, I'm trying to imagine what, what that means. Like, do they just live in shitty towns? <laughs> like, the, Or is it more like, well, I'll, I'll make less, but I'll be in Hawaii. Right. Yeah. I also wonder how many people's ideal location is Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what would your dream location, if you could like move all of your family and everything? Oh, I like this area. Yeah, me too. Maybe upper Ontario. <laughs> um, I've, uh, I, I love, I love LA. New York is fun to visit. I couldn't live in LA. New York, I, I have a lot of nostalgia, but I don't know that I'd like to live there. LA, I find, you know, it's pretty diverse, the different neighborhoods, but I find like, you know Santa Monica and, and I love visiting. I love vi- being there as a tourist visiting. But why wouldn't you want to live there? I hate traffic. I hate traffic's the bad in Seattle. I hate the lack of green. Yeah. I hate ugh, the smog. Ugh, I hate yeah. It. It's it's pretty like concrete like sprawl. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I love going there for fun. Considering all these factors, why are millennials moving less than previous generations? What do what do economists say? Millennials are moving less. A prices are much higher. Yeah, relatively speaking. Also, the jobs are in specific areas. I guess or maybe that. Yeah, that's part of yeah. it. They're they're saying um, less job market opportunities. Yeah, uh, because you know in the past, like my. Dad moved from Spokane. My, you know, my parents moved from Spokane to Seattle because of Boeing. Yeah, you know, there would be these things like you know the steel industry would like, hey, we're hiring five thousand more people, or Ford yeah. opens up a new plant, and like, come on, let's move. You know, whereas today it's it's yeah. not so much that way. Um, busiest moving day in twenty eighteen. <laughs> busiest moving day. June 15th. Ooh, close. June 1st. Okay. Why'd you choose 15th? I don't know. Why would you move on the middle of the month? Yeah. That's bizarre. Uh, Second busiest. No, I'll tell you why I chose June 15th. Because I was thinking like, well, but you got to wait for the kids to to end school. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, your leases are up. Yeah, your lease is up. You got to move. Uh, Top 10 states people are moving to. Okay. Top 10 states. Uh, Okay. Well, I think Washington's in the top 10. Nope. Oh, <laughs> New York. Nope. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, uh, Alaska. Nope. <laughs> uh, Florida. Nope. It's it's kind of weird. This list is weird. To Colorado. Uh, okay, no, nope. no, no. One for real. Texas. Nope. No, come on. Get out of here. Yeah. Um, it Ohio. Is, nope. It's Idaho is number one. Oh, my gosh. So did you know the Boise thing? No. Everyone's moving to Boise. Why? I don't know. What's in Boise? Nothing. I mean, it's it's a fine town, but it it is. I would. I don't understand what? why anyone would want to move. But I think what's happening is trendy. I heard that all these people from California are moving to Boise. In fact, they have an almost one hundred percent net gain in. Uh, population in the past what? like few years or something. Oh my god! Yeah, like it's really uh, popular. Uh, wow. I think maybe Coeur d'Alene might you know uh, might be also anyway. Number two is Nevada, <laughs> which is kind of weird to think about, right? Okay. Uh, Vermont, 
which I don't understand. What? Arizona, which... Okay, Arizona, I was going to say, I just... It's based on that one. Which, which I don't relate to, but... Um, but I've heard a lot of people... Yeah. In fact, I know people who've moved to Arizona. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Oregon, which okay. I'm guessing is mainly Portland-based. Okay. See, um, that one makes more sense to me. North Carolina, which... Oh, yeah, I know people... I know many people that have moved to North Carolina. Okay. Tennessee. Tennessee. Uh, Montana. Really? Which I'm guessing is similar to the Idaho Sky thing. Sky country. Huh? South Carolina and Alabama. Oh, wow. So it's like, huh? But anyway, huh. top 10 states people are moving away from. Jeez, California? Yep. New York? <laughs> yep. Oh, my gosh. Florida? Nope. Okay. Um, not Washington. Nope. Okay. Um, let's see. What else is No, we, we definitely have been on the incline over 30 Texas? Years. Nope. Okay. Mm, I don't know any more states. Illinois. <laughs> Illinois. Uh, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah, New Jersey. West Virginia. Massachusetts. Uh, no. Oh. Alaska. North Dakota. Connecticut. Kansas. Michigan. Hmm. California. Um, the, the busiest moving routes. So state to state. Oh, wow. Top five. Okay, well, since you've told me that they're going to like these places like Montana and stuff, I'm going to go uh, from California up north to the middle of the country. Uh, nope. Okay. I don't know. Like the middle, down the middle of the country is the busiest. Uh, north to south. No, I'll, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you part of the answer. Two of the states are California and New York. They're you know moving away from so so every- California to Arizona. Yes. Oh, okay. New York to Florida. Yes. Okay. And um, two more. Uh, what was the other one? It was um, well, it's California and New York. Oh, right. Are the other ones also from California or yeah? Oh, okay. And New York. Okay, then California to. I don't. Nope. <laughs> no. No. Uh, California to Nevada. No. Nope. That one makes it. Come on. That one's got to make sense. No, it's California. So you said New York to Florida. Yeah. And California, Arizona. California to Washington. Oh, okay. That which has sense. been a trend for a long yeah, time. Yeah, that makes sense. California to Texas. I think it's a lot of Austin people. Really? Yeah. That was surprising. Uh, and New York to California. Wow. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> um. Oh, this is interesting. Percentage between using professional movers versus DIY, uh, do-it-yourself with a rented moving truck, U-Haul, or do-it-yourself with no assistance at all, just using your your own truck or your own car. So what percentage between those three? <laughs> okay, uh, I'd say do-it-yourself with your own car is like 30%. 45, close. And then renting a U-Haul is like, you know, 40%. 33. And then the remainder is the higher yeah. the movers. 22%. 22, yeah. I was kind of surprised by that, that almost half, they don't even get a moving truck. Yeah. They they don't even rent a truck. That's how I used to do it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But but to me, I always thought I was like being super dumb Stingy about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I would have a Honda Civic. Yeah. And I would, I would move everything. Well, I also thing. didn't have that much. Yeah. So me and Eric... Like we lived in this place and we got another place that was like two blocks away. So we just packed our cars repeatedly with stuff. Yeah. So percentage wise, uh, 
uh, why did people move? You know, like they, they stated a reason why they moved. What There's a huge list here. For so. work. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. For job or transfer, job or 11%. Oh, 11. That's surprising. I would expect it to be higher for school. Uh, 30%. Uh, school. I think, well, it's 10 college, 3%. Three per- Come on. How can it be? Ah, uh, that's yeah. bizarre. Okay. Uh, for, um, because it's, I don't know how to phrase this. It's like cheaper living. Cheaper housing, 8%. Cheaper housing, 8%. Um, warmer climate. 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 Yeah, better climate. 1%. Uh, okay. Changing climate. Changing climate. Politi- politics. Politics. 5%. Uh, I don't see that anywhere. I know recently that's been a whole thing. Like, I'm moving out of California because they tax me too much. Yeah. Uh. Uh, the top reason was wanted a new or better home. Okay. 17%. That sounds like a pretty, like, that doesn't sound like a real reason. It's like, well, that's obvious. <laughs> I want a new home. <laughs> uh, 12% to establish own household. So maybe moving oh, out. Oh, from rent to own or something? Oh. Yeah, that must be. Or something. Um, or from, yeah, leaving parents. Yeah, yeah. Job, 11%. Other family reason, 11%. Cheaper housing, 8%. Other housing reasons. Uh, Other family reasons. Uh, yeah, just like a, a catch-all. <laughs> 6% to be closer to work. 6% wanted to own their own home. 5 change in marital status, so divorce or marriage. Uh, leave for college, 3%. Wanted, wanted better neighborhood, less crime, 3%. Health reasons, 2%. Uh, to look for work, uh, to, to foreclosure, Climate retired natural disaster point one percent. Last question, Berto. This is kind of an interesting question. I was surprised by this percentage of people who move for work who ultimately regret their decision. Oh, interesting. I'm gonna go sixty percent. Twenty five. Twenty five. That was interesting. That like one in four regret moving yeah, for that's work. That's a lot of people. I mean that's a lot that's of a lot of people. people. <laughs> like if I told you, hey, there's a new opportunity, blah blah blah. Just so you know, there's a one in four chance you're gonna regret your decision. Right. No one like, ever tells you this. Well, I don't think anyone would even think that would happen. Because no. you know, you're like, Oh my god, that job sounds amazing. Yeah. But how many times have I, you know, have I heard from people who like move to Seattle because that's usually my experience and you know, they hate it. One in four odds is not great. Like, I mean, sure, you could say, oh, yeah, well, but three and four don't regret their decision. First of all, I don't know how happy they are because not regretting is different from they are super happy, right? right? And second, one in four chance that my life is not going to be happy. Right. Like, I'm going to regret my life choice. Seems like not a That's not, not a ch- chance you want to take. No. Yeah. Because we're not talking about like, hey, there's a one in four chance you won't like this movie you're about to see. Right. No. You're stuck there. Right. I mean, moving back is expensive. It's a big deal. It's, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm just glad I that I've had the privilege. Uh, I, I guess, one, because my parents were so stable. And two, like if it wasn't for me who suggested my parents move, they'd still be in that house, I'm pretty sure, and probably just would have lived there the rest of their lives. 
So imagine living in the same house for like 60 years or 70 years anyway. Well, it, it is interesting that I actually, because you might have, someone could have predicted, well, because of all of the moving I did, that I would have moved all over the place. I only moved within this region though. Yeah. True. So in some ways I did want to stay put. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting given your background, yeah. you, it would, you would have thought. Right. But you also had jobs that were in this area. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's another privilege yeah. is having just randomly been right. uh, living in a place where the job market is one of the best in the world. That is absolutely true. Although I will say that I definitely made conscious decisions not to move multiple times that I could have. I, I There were job opportunities in Texas that I, I turned down. There were job opportunities in California that I turned down. There were multiple opportunities where I could have moved and I, I, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm fine. Like I, I was okay staying with what I had, you know? Uh, why though? Because I love this area, and uh, and I'm close to my mom still. And if I'm not going to be in Colombia, like at least I have that that structure, that stability. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right, all right. Well, so everyone out there, let us know what you think about this episode. Uh, if you don't like it, you can blame Berto because he, he planned it out. And everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it. Thank you.